Welcome back to the Happy Hour, your palate cleansing podcast. I'm Malachi Wade. And I am Shaylin Martos. It is election week, and we're all incredibly stressed, so of course we want to bring some positivity into the political atmosphere. Today, we are joined by Olivia Weinkoop, the social media editor for Golden Gate Express newspaper. Welcome, Olivia. Hello. We're excited to have you on here. Thanks. I am actually so excited because I listen to your guys' podcast every week, and I just am happy to be here. (laughs) Yeah, uh, you left us like one of our first... uh, reviews so mm-hmm. we're olivia is the person that we made our last cocktail for the yeah. um, autumn bubbles mm-hmm. and i think it definitely fits your personality so we're we're just really really happy to have you on today oh, it's like getting emotional <laughs> already <laughs> so um, many emotions right uh so olivia co-authored the extensive golden gate express proposition guide that our voting guide which is absolutely amazing and translated it's in english spanish chinese and tagalog as well which is just awesome um so we wanted to bring olivia on to talk about some of the positive propositions that have been passed um and how we can kind of spin some of the other ones uh in a happy way Mm -hmm. now that 100 percent of california precincts are partially reporting so everything's pretty much in Cool. Yeah. And we also want to, you know, critique some of dif- the different aspects of the propositions in classic happy hour fashion. Mm-hmm. So first up, let's talk about Prop 17, which grants parolees the right to vote and passed with a majority of 51.1%. Woohoo! Hell yes. This has been a huge conversation for a while. We saw Florida pass a similar bill in 2018, only for it to be slightly extinguished by the Florida governor. So Prop 17 is a constitutional amendment allowing people who have finished their prison sentence or people who are on parole to legally vote in California. So Olivia, can you give us a rundown uh, of what you learned about Prop 17? I know that you kind of focused on the later propositions, but your understanding of it and kind of how you feel about what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I didn't know that people who are on parole were not able to vote. Um that was like really surprising for me and seeing Mm -hmm. that there was 19 other states that did allow people on parole uh with felonies or whatever um to vote um was surprising i was surprised that california Mm -hmm. hadn't done that yet because i don't know california kind of gets its rep that we are very liberal and progressive and always pushing new things, but it seemed like we were kind of behind on um, allowing folks to vote. I'm really relieved that it passed, uh, especially since I think it kind of deals with the mass incarceration of um, Black and Latino Californians. Yeah, these people, there's, um, I believe, like 57,000 folks who will be able to to vote now. And I just really want to see what those trends are going to be what Mm -hmm. these people want what um you know what these folks are are really interested in politically Mm -hmm. are they going to vote you know which i'm i'm sure that that they will now now granted the right to so um i think that this is just it's it's a really big step in the right direction like you said olivia to to you know cripple this freaking 
prison pipeline machine just just Mm -hmm. friggin oh yeah so i think i think this is is really great and this exactly why we wanted to talk about this proposition in particular i was i was not super surprised by it passing just because of how much support it was getting from like notable politicians and groups um like so many endorsements from like state senators and assembly people and um, like the ACLU and groups such as that. So I wasn't super surprised, but it was still like nice to totally. see for sure. Mm. Let's uh, let's get into the second proposition that we want to talk about. It's it's related to the one that we just did. This is another win against the shit prison industrial system that we have in the U.S. Uh, proposition 25 will replace the cash bail system with a risk assessment that categorizes criminal suspects into three categories, low, medium, and high risk. But the measure was rejected by a majority of 55.4 no votes. Hell yes. And opponents of Proposition 25 state that the automated risk assessment will exacerbate racial bias within the judicial system. This is a legitimate concern since predictive policing algorithms are proven to be racist, according to the MIT Technology Review. Exactly. Most algorithms are racist since their baselines are of white individuals, as illustrated in the work of Dr. Jennifer Eberhardt, a Stanford psychology researcher and author of the fantastic book, Biased, Uncovering the Hidden Prejudice that Shapes What We See, Think, and Do, which... For a lot of SF State students, we are required to read this. And even if you're not required, read the fucking book. It is amazing. Mm-hmm. It will blow your mind open. Um, yeah. For example. You will cry. Yeah, you will cry. I, I cried in like the first mm-hmm. chapter. <laughs> Unsurprising. For example, black folks don't show up as well as white folks when using the virtual background on Zoom mm-hmm. and other things like that because the algorithms are racist. Because we are racist and we wrote yes. the algorithms. Yeah, sadly. Um, so this discrimination yeah. would definitely lead to more black folks and people of color being stuck in jail regardless of their complicity in crime. Mm-hmm. And I also want to just mention too that, you know, I think I was looking up a lot Um, a fair amount of stuff when trying to decide what to vote on this and I think like while all of this is totally valid a lot of people were bringing up the concept of like well what is a is the right step in this direction of like eliminating a system that doesn't work and replacing it with something that does and clearly this is you know kind of like putting a band-aid on a wound where it's like not really gonna work super well and probably gonna be bad in the end Um, but like is there a future where we have something to vote on that is going to be more progressive? Olivia, this is one of the propositions you did cover in our voter guide. Do you have any insight on this? Well, yeah, it's like one of those ones where kind of when you look at it far away, it might sort of be okay. Mm -hmm. Like I know that bails are actually a big limit towards people being able to be out from jail before there are properly uh, go to court Mm -hmm. and everything Uh, a lot of people can't afford bails um, and that within itself is kind of an error in our justice Mm -hmm. system I would say um, for you know lower income folks and a lot of people um, who are wealthier with bigger sort of crimes can just pay off their bails with uh, no problem Mm -hmm. so it's I would say that that's definitely a problem, but I don't think this is a proper way 
to find that solution just because I don't think our technology is advanced enough to where we can just depend on it to be like good okay bad you know what yeah. I mean like you can't just separate crimes into those three categories especially with yeah. technology mm-hmm. like knowing the uh, racial biases that we are already seeing so much in our justice system it kind of feels a little like dystopian future or like Mm -hmm. dystopian utopian you know like a ya novel a little bit of like post-apocalyptic weird technology robots Mm -hmm. everywhere Mm -hmm. it's uh it's it's essentially the (laughs) the plot to minority report predetermination Mm -hmm. it's it's deciding if someone is complicit in crime before like you even know what's going on um Mm -hmm. mm-hmm And also, like, I don't think that it was super detailed into what they even meant by, like, risk Mm -hmm. assessment. Like, is it high risk of, like, repeating the same crime when they got out or, like, risk to people in general? It just seemed like very charged language of, like, very, like, a close cousin to black men are dangerous Mm -hmm. type Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. stuff, you know? Um, So that was definitely a red flag in the general like wording of the proposition. Right, yeah, it's like what exactly is a high risk crime compared to low risk? And where do we draw the line? Um, Because I think a lot of decisions in our justice system are so uh, subjective anyways. Like, I don't know, depending on the judge that you have, your time in prison could be like a completely different length of time. Um, and you could have a completely different bail and um, very subjective and no mm. clear indication of exactly where people would fit into. And I think that's why people voted against it, honestly. These are two two propositions that I think are really important in, in reforming our justice system. And it can always be argued that we're not doing enough. There's always going to be somebody who says that we're not doing enough. And those opinions are valid because there's always more that we can be doing but i i'm really excited that i was able to be a part of of this and and i was able to like put my foot down and be like no like you're not going to fucking go matrix on me and and keep people stuck in jail like not in prison in jail like like just just because an algorithm says that they're they're more risk than somebody else and if they can fucking fight our fires then they can fucking vote Mm. i don't give give a crap (laughs) put that on a t-shirt and i think i think another important thing um is just like having compassion for people who are um convicted of crimes Mm -hmm. because i think a lot of people just automatically label them as villains Mm -hmm. and may not realize like the environment that they grew up what is justice what does justice really mean and what does it look like Mm -hmm. how many rights do we have to take from a person Mm -hmm. because prison is unreal i don't know i'm i'm really passionate about this because um this is kind of a random fun fact about me but um i have a pen pal who's in prison and i definitely recommend you both to um go to um what is the website there's like these different websites where you can find um incarcerated people who just want someone to chat to and you can write letters to them and that's um, awesome get more of an insight on what prison really is like like on the mm-hmm. inside um so that's kind of how i gain my compassion 
through talking to my friend Billy in Wisconsin. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, God so, bless Billy. I don't know. That's why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like the sweetest. Shout out to Billy. He's been in there for like 20 years. Wow. And, yeah. Well, anyways, those two were really important to yeah. me. Voting yes and no. Cool. <laughs> All right, everybody, we are going to take a small break, go grab some water, let you listen to more of that great theme music, and we'll be right back with the rest of the ballots we want to talk about. Stay tuned. that I will never, ever get tired of. Um, I play it when I'm taking a bath. I play it when I wake up in the morning. Uh, (laughs) That's too much information for everyone, but it is true. So we are back talking about the California propositions with fellow editor for the Golden Gate Express, Olivia Winecoop. So we talked about more positive, like the, the good propositions that we're really happy about. And now we're talking about ones that you know, we're not as happy about. So Malachi, do you want to introduce our next proposition? Yes. Um, We wanted to quickly bring up Prop 22, which um, if you don't know, that was the one about um, keeping gig workers that are drivers for uh, companies such as Lyft and Uber as gig workers and not including them as full employees. And unfortunately, the proposition passed after huge amounts of money and campaigning and ads were Mm -hmm. poured into it from Lyft and Uber. So Olivia, do you want to say anything real quick about Prop 22? Yeah, so it's pretty much uh, companies like Lyft, Uber, Uber Eats, any sort of delivery or rideshare service is asking for an exception for California Assembly Bill 5. Uh, in which uh, gig workers would become employees where they can get certain benefits. And pretty much they're saying that this doesn't match their business strategy and kind of how their employment services work. Mm -hmm. So, yes, they're asking for an exception. It was actually a record for the most funds to a legislative campaign, $202 million, which is absolutely ridiculous. Wow. We just wanted to bring this up because it's... It kind of falls in line with our concept of smokescreen mm-hmm. news, but it's a smokescreen campaign. Yeah. And without getting too far into how capitalism is deeply ingrained into our political system, it is something that for most people who voted yes on it probably didn't see it the way that mm-hmm. it was. They saw what Lyft and Uber and other companies wanted them to see. Yeah. And... um and they got it, uh, 58.4% of voters in favor of Proposition 22. Um, lots of money went into that. Lots of what we would classify as, as smokescreen um, stories that, mm-hmm. you know, people people think that they're voting for one thing and deeper, they're voting for something different. It requires a little more media literacy, Um legal literacy which is fucking difficult we don't know enough of we don't teach anybody this so they don't know what they're voting for anyways we don't want to go too deep into proposition 22 because i will rant forever so let's get into one that we can talk about more solutions yeah let's slide into 
talking about giving young folks the chance to make their voices heard in our national elections. Proposition 18 would have provided 17-year-olds who will turn 18 between the presidential primary and the general election the right to vote in the primaries. Sadly, the proposition is falling behind with 55.1 of Californians voting no. Proponents of Proposition 18 claim that younger folks are becoming more politically involved and therefore should be allowed to participate in elections that directly affect them. And, you know, I agree. Teens have been on the front lines of recent protests and they are showing much more interest in being politically active. If you're on TikTok, you know what I'm talking about. They are very politically active on there, you know, organized several, I think, really funny kind of like takeovers or just spoofs on uh, some of like the Trump yeah. rallies, you know, they're all Gen Z. Uh, yeah. How does it feel to be Zoomers during this election? <laughs> how does it how's, how's the Zoomer <laughs> Zoomer political activism going for the both of you? I don't know. I, I kind of like it. Um, mm-hmm. it. I feel like Zoomers, we kind of approach things like in a humorous way. Nihilistically. Is that what you're saying? Nihilistically. <laughs> there we go. 100 yeah. percent. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it seems that California voters aren't ready to give the youth a chance to choose who their president will be at the point that can be considered even more important than the general mm-hmm. election. Because in the general election, you choose one out of two people. And in the, in the primaries, mm-hmm. you have so much more choice. And Chris Ramirez, he did a really great story about this proposition. And he was speaking to um, a a youth legislator who was like, I draft legislation and I can't vote for it, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, so what we want to do is is talk about what can be done to convince these old geezers, um, these voters, that younger people deserve to vote in the primaries. Uh, Olivia, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think one of the main arguments that people were talking about against Prop 18 was, you know, they're legally still considered minors, they're heavily influenced by their parents, aka, these kids don't know what they're talking about. (laughs) That's my impersonation of, like, a really old person. Okay. Um, (laughs) Get off my lawn. I mean, yeah, get off my lawn, these whippersnappers. Um, Whippersnappers. (laughs) um, But I seriously think that this upcoming generation has already done so much um, in terms of political activism. We've seen the ways that our government has kind of failed us in various different ways with the recession and, of course, climate change and all sorts of things. I'm honestly surprised that it didn't get passed. To me, it makes sense. Because you can register to vote Mm -hmm. as a 17-year-old if you're going to be 18 by the general election. So, like... Yeah. What is literally a few months difference? Yeah. I just think that it's it's kind of a bit of a no brainer. And there's not really a great argument against why someone should not vote four months earlier than Mm -hmm. they would Mm -hmm. be already. You know, it's just it's it's becoming even more and more important right now that we we've seen that just an immense amount of young folks came out to vote in this election even more than there were in 2016 because it's people understand Mm -hmm. what's at stake now and i feel like the the uh excuse i guess of saying that 
17 year olds don't know what they're talking about is kind of dated Mm -hmm. maybe like 25 years ago or Mm -hmm. something like that um but now with social media it's all i ever see on my feed i see Mm -hmm. high school kids protesting Mm -hmm. getting out there urging their friends who are 18 to vote because they can't we've been more politically aware than ever i would say our world is so interconnected there's no way that you can't be informed about what's going on with the news if you are active on social yeah. media you know yeah no that's really true exactly and there's so many other folks that live in the united states that don't have the right to vote so it's like giving citizens like younger citizens a chance to do this would be a step for everybody else like daca recipients who can't vote you know we we voted to give parolees the right to vote so it's like just Mm -hmm. just keep it going just keep it going everybody and i think that the way that we could actually have this happen you know is that all of the zoomers are going to get a little older and then they can vote for this legislation they could draft this legislation and then vote for it themselves but i think that just continuing to to draft legislation and um and to campaign for different propositions that will grant voting rights to more people is just going to make things so much better and it's like a step toward you know making voting more equal Mm -hmm. too like obviously you know we have the issues of like the outdated system of the electoral college and gerrymandering and voter suppression Mm -hmm. but you know so not every vote in america is equal and i feel like a lot of people know that Mm -hmm. exactly and i think I mean, there's a reason why there's such a big push for people to vote in general. Vote, vote, vote. That's all I'm seeing on Twitter and Instagram and everything is because the more people who vote, the better, more accurate version of what we want is presented Mm -hmm. to us. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people in our government who are in power feed off of other people being oppressed. Definitely. And when those oppressed folks are silenced and not able to vote, then they can keep their power. Mm-hmm. But it's like once they finally have a say, those people are out. The last prop that we want to talk about is Prop 21. Uh, we saved it for last because it's a bit of a big mm-hmm. topic. Proposition 21 was the second mm-hmm. time rent control has been on the California ballot. It would have created a form of rent control in the state, but it was rejected because the first was in 2018. And Rent control in California has been very hotly contested. And it's this is why we put it at the end. It is a it is a big issue for people. In 2018, polling revealed that Californians were mostly in favor of rent control, but they didn't appreciate the specifics of the former proposition, which I feel like happens a lot. Like, okay, I I I, I'm here for the concept. I want this to happen but you aren't giving me a specific way that I know is going to benefit the most amount of people. Like, yeah, maybe the money's going to certain people or maybe it's it's just benefiting, you know, landlords instead. 56 out of 58 California counties rejected rent control in 2018. But this time around, it still didn't pass. And, and that was by 59.8% of voters uh, opposed to the measure. Yeah, I think that, For San Francisco, we definitely feel the effects of really expensive housing 
I mean, housing is so limited in San Francisco and it's just getting more and more expensive. The change that it, it made since the last time it was on the ballot is that houses over 15 years old that are owned by landlords with more than two properties would be eligible for rent control. That was the proposition uh, and that didn't get passed. And what's interesting about that too, because I remember in 2018, a lot of people that I know who are like single family homeowners who rented rooms to college students were concerned about like how the bill was going to affect them specifically um, as like, especially in Santa Cruz, it's also super expensive to live here. Um, mm-hmm. And it's expensive to own a home here as well. So it's kind of like this double sided of like, well, you know, multiple people were arguing against it and for it. When this comes up on the ballot again, which it probably will in two years, you know, what's going to be different and how are they going to try to market it to people so that it can actually pass and actually be something that people look at and think, oh, this is 100% a good idea. Yeah. What 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 do we got to do? What do we got to do to get rent control passed? I what a question that is. I wish I knew the answer. (laughs) You know, I wish I could magically solve the housing crisis. I would love to. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's it's very it's very complicated because people who were against this proposition argued that it would make people less likely to create affordable housing. And um Mm-hmm. People who were for it, though, said that it would protect lower income and middle class people. But I don't know what the answer is. I don't know. I think part of it is definitely about just education. And I feel like that kind of goes for all of these propositions is like every time they come up, you know, we have people working their butts off on voter guides to make sure that like the information is comprehensive and understandable and like easy to access. And it's like, you know, obviously we know that politics can be a little bit stale, but like, why isn't it made accessible and just people are educating others in a, I don't know, in a more constructive way from the beginning? Yeah. And readable. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. This, this voter guide <laughs> took me a minute, y'all. Like mm-hmm. I worked on it since July and we had it up in what, September, I think. Yeah. Wow. Or November, but I mean, like, it was ready to go by September, but we were waiting on the translations. Mm -hmm. Um, And this was one of the ones that took me a while because every word has a meaning to it, especially, like, with political, legal jargon. Mm -hmm. And you have to read things very, very closely, and there's very limited text, but Mm -hmm. so much in it that requires a lot of background research. And... um, Rent control is like one of those topics that just requires a lot of work to to look into. And I wish that information was more accessible for people, especially like for people who aren't necessarily super involved in politics, but they still want to vote. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, they should have that information available for them because Mm -hmm. it can be very confusing to kind of hear like the same outcome on either side, like in terms of rent control, you know, so that's what you were doing olivia you were making this information more accessible to folks and that's what i think is so important and why we wanted to have you on here because it's you know i think both malachi and i were using the voter guide while we were filling out our ballots Mm -hmm. i actually use i used it as a cornerstone to my voting process i read what 
you and Chris had written first, and then I went to the other like voter guides that that I had seen. Um, you know, like KQED, San Francisco Chronicle. Um, you know, the pissed off voters guide. Well, that's only for San Francisco. Um, but all of these different like space cats and stuff. But our voter guide was the most accessible to me. It made the most sense. It it summarized each proposition really well mm-hmm. and. I think that that's that's just what's really important and I feel like that's what's going to bring more people into the political process and really educate folks on on what power they do have. And that's just making making the information accessible to people. It's it's mm. hardworking people like you who are, who are like, okay, I guess I'm gonna have to read through this entire freaking legislature and, <laughs> and Take, try yeah. to make heads or tails of it. And I mean, like something that helps with a proposition like this that's so that's a lot is also just looking at the organizations who support it and who are against it. Mm-hmm. For example, the people totally. who were for prop. 21 were Bernie Sanders, um, AIDS Healthcare Foundation, Urban League of Los Angeles, Eviction Defense Network, and proponents were uh, president of the California Rental Housing Association, um, State Building and Construction Trades Council of California. That's the opponents. And others. Yeah. Yeah. So folks that are in real estate and construction Mm -hmm. versus, you know. So, um, yeah, I think that also speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that kind of shows the uh, intent of the proposition. Definitely. You know. And now it's time for our tailor made cocktail of the week. We're excited to introduce you to the I Have Shaken. This cocktail is made for my dad, who celebrated his birthday and the release of the second season of The Mandalorian on the same day. Very nice. So, very big in our family. (laughs) So, you start with two to four ounces of your favorite bourbon with ice in a cocktail shaker. I love Bullet, personally. And for a non-alcoholic version, you just leave out the bourbon and we'll go through the rest for you. Yes. Squeeze a slice of lemon and put a couple slices of lemongrass into the shaker. For those not familiar with lemongrass, you take off the tough outer leaves, then you can cut little slices from the bulb on the bottom. Leave some leaves for garnish later. And then you put the top on, make sure to do that before you shake and shake and shake and shake and shake till the shaker is very cold to the touch. Um, When I was bartending, you kind of want to do it until it hurts to hold. Mm. Um, And that's how you know that it's it's ready for you. So then you could either... uh, Strain this and put it over ice or just strain it into a chilled martini glass if you're fancy. Mm -hmm. And top it all off with some ginger brew. I suggest my favorite Reed Extra Ginger Brew. If you don't like Reeds, you're wrong. Don't at me. Lastly, add a leaf or two of lemongrass and a lemon rind for garnish. Exactly. So um, if you don't want to use bourbon in this drink, Mm -hmm. then you can just put some really great Reed's Extra Ginger Brew over ice Top it off with some lemon and lemongrass and give it a little stir and it will be just as delicious. Mm-hmm. So we hope y'all like this week's cocktail. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and we'll make a recipe just for you. And happy birthday to my dad. Yes, happy birthday. <laughs> so, Olivia, uh, as a person who has consistently supported the podcast, you know what the last call is um so what is making you happy this week olivia Ooh, hard week to ask actually (laughs) (laughs) 
Mm, um, (laughs) Dig deep for that one. Well, I met Chris, our managing copy editor, and um, we've always stayed in touch via Slack and Instagram and sending each other memes and stuff. And we worked on this huge project together. And yesterday Mm -hmm. I was able to finally meet him and we had pad thai and we were able to talk in person. And so, Chris, you are the best part of my week. (laughs) I love that so much. Honestly, that can be so huge, just seeing a person in person that you've been communicating with so much. Mm -hmm. Because if we were, if if this was pre-COVID times, we would have been in that newsroom all together, blankets and pillows, taking naps on the floor, pizza galore. I would have had a crisp Caesar salad. <laughs> We're very different people, Malachi. I can't eat pizza. I don't know what you want. Oh from yeah, that's me. true. Yeah, you can't eat pizza. Um, it's okay. Yeah, I'll have your slices for you, Malachi. <laughs> Great Plus. last call, um, Olivia. Malachi, do you want to go next? What's what's making you happy this week? Sure. Yeah, I think honestly, even though it was a little bit hectic, um, just getting out into the world and covering a story for the first time in a year. Um, yesterday, mm-hmm. I, um, accompanied by my photo editor, Sailor, um, went and toured on um, Jackie Fielder's campaign bus while she encouraged last minute voters all around San Francisco. Um, and I wrote a 750 word article in like 10 hours, maybe less, um, and resulted in a in what I think is a really solid article and like photo accompanying story. So I'm just very proud of myself for that because I've been so behind the scenes, like running the magazine, haven't produced any work other than this podcast. I don't know. It was nice to be able to to get out there and be a reporter again. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. That's good. That's the last time I'm going to do that, though, at least for now, (laughs) while I'm focusing on all my other shit. No, we'll see. Shaylin, what about you? What's making you happy this week? I think this is just such a weird week because it's usually not that. We're in the Twilight Zone. We are in the Twilight Zone. I'm trying to. Well, Halloween was amazing. It was utterly oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah, Halloween was. Dude, this Halloween week feels like it was so long weekend. ago. It was literally Saturday. So I. You know, I'm I'm the type of person that always goes out for Halloween. I I show up. I I always have. I'm dressed to the nines. My costumes are always on point. Show up and suit um, up and. <laughs> yeah, totally suit up for sure. Um, but this time around, you know, we gotta we we gotta be safe. So, my uh, a very good friend of mine and uh, and myself, we went to the drive-in in San Jose and we watched Hocus Pocus. Yay! I love it. It it was so good. I love that movie so much. And it was just really nice because I don't know if you can tell uh, from knowing me already, but I cannot stop talking during movies. I comment (laughs) on almost everything. I cannot keep my big mouth shut. And my friend is almost exactly the same way. So we were just, (laughs) there was just commentary on Hocus Pocus the entire time and lots of me just going, Bet Midler. Bet. Midler, <laughs> bet Midler. Can you imagine? So it was, it was a really good time. That that'll be my, my, uh, my last call for the Very week. Very nice. 
Good one. Well, thank you so much to Olivia for joining us for this entire episode. Um, normally yeah. we just have like a guest segment, but we wanted to bring you on for the whole thing. I am practically the third host now. Basically, yeah. yeah. Welcome to the Welcome team. To the team. <laughs> Either of you are sick, I'll just step in. It's not a problem. Just let me know. Just give me a call. Like honestly, though, like if one of us needs to take a break, but we still gotta grind, we'll we'll let you know. Hey, it'll be you and Chris. Yes, <laughs> that would be so good. Come on, that would be it, like it the would best. be very mm-hmm. good. The best. So Olivia, do you want to plug anything? Social media, LinkedIn, um, any projects you're working on? Um, I don't know um i don't know just search my name up in the website and then you'll find my work thank you um no um <laughs> my instagram <laughs> is just my name olivia Winecoop. um i also have like a journalism portfolio one holloway diaries it's ooh. called i know ooh. but i like don't spend much time on it so you should probably follow the other one <laughs> yeah. well if you follow the golden gate express uh oh, yeah. instagram as well ggx that's that's olivia mm-hmm. that's me that's that's all you that's you crushing it always thank you well thank you so much for coming on to the happy hour thanks for having me and uh we'll be back in two weeks have a good evening pour yourself happy hour yeah pour yourself a a drink whatever that drink may be Thank you to Armand Bellamoria for our theme music. The Happy Hour is produced in collaboration with the Golden Gate Express newspaper and Express Magazine out of San Francisco State University. And we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Cheerio. (laughs)